Good evening, everyone. This is our weekly soul of the Parsha class, and now we are in Parashat Vayera. And the question we want to pose today is, we want to understand what is the secret of rejuvenation in old age. Not just old age, but generally speaking, as we're getting older. How does one preserve the spirit of youthfulness, of having new beginnings, uh, having a fresh start, the feeling of being able to start something new? How do we preserve this feeling as we get older, as um, the burden of life becomes heavier, as routine becomes more grinding? How do we preserve this feeling of renewal in our lives? That's the question we want to, to ask today. So it's primarily for people who are post-midlife crisis, uh, which isn't really, there's no such thing as post-midlife crisis. One of the things I understood when I entered 40 is that, the, is that what is midlife crisis? It's, the, it's, it's an ongoing crisis in which you realize that it's, the crisis itself is not going anywhere. It's not like something you pass and then it just disappears. It starts and then it, it becomes part of who you are, part of your life. And you learn to live with, your, with this ongoing crisis. So, but it's also for younger people who sometimes before 40, you, you also feel that life is too much for you or that you've lost your youthfulness, you've lost your, your inner child. So this is a feeling that definitely uh, can, people of all ages can experience. And we can even say more than that, that the, the real age, the mental age, is something separate from our physical, biological age. Uh, meaning you could be very old physically, according to your ID card, but have a very, very young soul. And you can also be a very young person, but have an old soul, and bitter and cynical. And in fact, in our generation, there's more and more of these people. Uh, because they've seen so much and done so much, by the time they're 20 or 25, is that sometimes they feel worn out, just like old people. So what I want to do today is we want to totally re-examine and re-evaluate the whole notion of old age and of growing old and of age in general. What does it mean to be old or young? And if it's not, obviously there is a biological factor, but almost just as obvious is the fact that it's not just a biological factor. There are more factors coming into play here. So this is the big question, and it, it very much has to do with this week's Parsha. So Parsha's Vayera continues the story of Abraham. But to, in this year, what we said a few weeks ago is that this year we're dedicating the entire year, each week, to just studying the first segment of each Parsha, right? It's the, it's the beginning, where it's, everything begins. So looking at the first segment, the first Aliyah of Parsha's Vayera, what is the story? The story is, it takes place three days after Abraham's self-do-it-yourself circumcision, the first circumcision in the world. He circumcised himself just at the end of Parashat Lech Lecha, the previous parasha. And now, three days later, he's aching, and he's sitting outside of his tent, and then the three angels come, and partly in order to, to visit him and comfort him in his illness, also to let him know, let him and Sarah know, that despite being very, very old, that he is 99 years old now, and Sarah's wife is 90 years old now, uh, despite this fact, they're going to have a child a year from now. When he'll turn 100, and she'll turn 20, 91, they're going to have a child together. And also, there's another angel on his way to uh, punishing Sodom. So anyway, the three angels come, and Sarah, who's inside this, the tent, is in a state of disbelief. And, of course, the angels know this, they hear this, and they say, nothing is beyond God. Is anything too wondrous, too miraculous for God to do? Obviously nothing. And they repeat the promise that a year from now you're going to have a child. This is the end of the first Aliyah, the first segment. Now, since this is the year in our classes, that we're dedicating to the beginning of the parsha. Each time one asks, so what's new? What's beginning? What's the first thing? What, what issue or element or idea or concept is presented for the first time? We're, we're, we're in a state of mind of beginnings in this year. So there's something very, very uh, um, important uh, 
that is appears to be beginning in this parsha, and and that is old age. And I'll tell you what I mean. Obviously, old age has existed long before this parsha, and in fact, the oldest people in the world were in the first ten generations. They lived almost up to a thousand years old. All of them, all of these people, like Adam himself, and then Methuselah, Methuselah. And uh, he was the oldest one, and, and Noah also lived after the, the flood to, to be over 900. They all lived over 900 years old. So old age is very old, and it's as old as, as, as the first millennium. However, the Hebrew word for old age, and for an old person, appears for the first time in this parsha, and in this segment of the parsha, in the first aliyah. And as it appears, it appears three times in a row, three verses in a row mention the idea of being old age. So it starts with the angel prophesying that I will return to you next year and your wife Sarah will have a son. And then Sister Sarah was listening at the entrance of the tent, which was behind him. And then she says, now, Abra then the narrator, the Torah tells us, um, now Abraham and Sarah were old. So this is the first appearance of the word. Zaken, which means old in Hebrew. And then it says another interesting term, which is Ba'im Bayamim. It's usually translated as advanced in years, but literally it means coming into days. It doesn't speak of years, it speaks of days, and it speaks of coming into days. That's the literal translation. The more, uh, the, the, when you translate the meaning, it's something like advanced in years. But the, the actual term is, is more interesting, which we'll get to in, later on. And then it says, that, again, the narrator, the Torah tells us, Sarah had stopped having the periods of women, the way of women, it says in Hebrew. And then it says that Sarah left to herself or inside herself, saying, now that I am withered, am I to have enjoyment, which is the enjoyment of having children, with my husband so old? Again, second time, one verse after the, the previous one, She's talking about, she's also, she's 90, but she talks about as if, well, she talks about herself also, that she is withered, but then she mentions her husband being old. And then the angel inter hears this, although she didn't say a word, it was all inside her head. But the angel can read her thoughts, and he says, uh, why did Sarah laugh, saying, shall I, in truth, bear a child old as I am? And the angel is being very polite. The angel isn't revealing her true thoughts. What she really thought was, my husband is old. But the angel is making this sound nicer. And she says, why is Sarah laughing? And, and she says, how can I have a child when I am so old? Anyway, what, what we have here is that the, the term old, whether in the singular or in the plural, repeats itself three times, three verses in a row. And it's the first time this word appears in the Torah. Although the oldest people all existed, uh, in, the, in the first millennium and in the first parsha, second parsha, they it was it was normal then. It wasn't old, and it, 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 we also know this that after the the flood, the age of man was limited to 120 years, but Abraham exceeds this limit, and he he's now a uh, hundred, but he will live to be 175, and now if you compare 100 to 120, which is the maximum you can say, now we have something called old age. But before, it wasn't old, it was normal to be 900 years old. So the, the word old appears for the first time, and then it starts appearing quite, quite a few times. Uh, when they go to Sodom, it says about there being people there from younger, from young to old, and then later we have the story of Lot's two daughters, and they speak of how old their, their father is, and then again it's mentioned, that um, Yitzchak was born to Abraham when he was very old. But these are the very first times. And of course, this is the topic here. The topic is that Abraham and Sarah are very, very old, and they don't believe, they don't, it's, un, it's unfathomable, it's unthinkable that they would have a child, and on the, using this old age as a backdrop, the whole point of the story is, it's never too late to have a miracle, and it's never too late for God to intervene and change the order of nature and the order of things. And you can be procreative. Here it's physical. We can think about it in metaphorical terms. The point is that there is a secret to rejuvenation 
which the beginning of the parsha is very clearly about. Because it's, this is the laughter of Sarah. She doesn't believe that it's possible to rejuvenate. Abraham himself laughed at this in the end of the previous parsha. Now it's her laughing. And the biggest laughter is going to come later on when they both realize that they were wrong and they named their child after this higher form of laughter, which is an optimistic divine laughter, godly laughter, the laughter of Yitzchak, which we can say laughs at their bitter pessimistic laughter. They had a bitter pessimistic laughter and 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 the birth of Yitzchak proves them all wrong. Now there is actually a midrash that talks about the idea that old age came into being with Abraham in this parsha. And by old age we mean the uh, looking old, having white hair, having wrinkles, it didn't exist before. That's what the Midrash says. So I'm going to tell the Midrash. The Midrash says that when Yitzchak was born, later on in the Parsha, uh, all the people around them, all the kings and all the peoples, would make fun of them. They said, obviously, it's not their child. It can't be their child. He's 100, she's 91. It can't be their child. They picked someone off the, off the street and, and they're calling him the, their child. And in order to cover it up, they're making a big celebration weren't convinced that Abraham was the father. That's how the Midrash goes. And they suspected maybe it was uh, Avimelech the king because she, she had uh, spent some time during the pregnancy, before the pregnancy, in his palace. So they suspected he was the father. So then Abraham prayed and Yitzchak became, suddenly had his, his Abraham's features. He started looking like his father Abraham and that proved that he was his child and not someone else's child. But then there was another problem. This is implied in the Midrash. It isn't, all, it isn't uh, explicitly said, but it's implied that they were so much alike when Yitzchak was growing up. They were so much alike, nobody could tell them apart. And the reason was that Abraham did not have the features of an old man because it turns out nobody looked old during that time in history. Old age didn't exist yet as a as something people had their objective age but it didn't show so then Abraham prayed just like he prayed that Yitzchak would look like him so it would be very clear that he was his child and there was there would be no room for all kinds of gossip that he wasn't his child he prayed that he himself would look old and would have white hair and wrinkles and grow bald and everything that accompanies old age and and in order for people to tell the difference. So it's a very interesting, very interesting idea. So we can see here that this is a story of rejuvenation, but it's also the story of this, the, the person who's rejuvenating has absolutely no problem, no trouble, seeming old. He doesn't care. In fact, he wants it. He prayed for it. It's all his fault. He's the reason that as we grow, as we grow old, it shows. He, he asked for it. He wanted it. He didn't want to be ashamed of his old age. He wasn't at all ashamed of his old age. He looked very young. He looked just as young as his 20-year-old son. But he wanted it to show that you're old. So at, the, at, one, at one parsha, if you add this midrash, you have at one and the same time the, uh, the, uh, the, what is it? The word did you say? It's, it's, uh, it's a mirror image. Met. Wet nurse, wet nurse. Thank you very much. That's the word I was looking for. So someone just flashed it and uh, just wrote the wrote the words. Okay, thank you. So uh, yeah, so that was that belongs to the <laughs> the previous part of the story. So now um, we see that Abraham is carrying these very interesting opposites, and they don't contradict at all for him. He's able to have a child when he's when he's a hundred years old. And he's he and also in this beginning of the parsha, the way he um, entered, the way he hosts the three angels is with a lot of alacrity. He's running around and preparing the food and ordering people around, and and in fact, he's sitting outside. Although it's very painful for him, it's three days after the the circumcision, he is longing to have guests. He is is very much appears to be very young. 
And although he's very old, he says, I can, I can open my tent to some more people. And although I'm in pain, it doesn't matter. And he keeps like a very young person. And again, he has a child. But on the other hand, he has no problem showing off his old age. He's not ashamed. He's not dyeing his hair or, you know, implanting hairs in his head or, you know, you know, putting the hair, growing the hair on one side and, you know, covering whatever it is that people do. He's not facelifting, whatever it is. He's nothing, the very opposite. He, he, he's praying that old age would show. So that's what we want to figure out. How do these two things go together? Because sometimes when you think about someone who's old, but is youthful, then you could think that he, he would want to hide his old age. And it's, these are the people that dye their hair and hide their baldness and try and behave very much like young children. And, and the other people who appear to be tired or cynical or, you know, bitter, they, they don't have this youthful energy. But here we have something else. We have someone who's not ashamed at all of his old age and is also extremely young in spirit. So that's what we want to figure out. Now, the word zaken, there are several things here that are in this parasha. Um, before we go into the word zaken, uh, we'll add something from later on in the parsha, which is very interesting. This is a very interesting Kabbalistic concept, which is hiding in the parsha in the background, because all like all deep Kabbalistic ideas, you won't find it on the surface, but it's there, and it says something very deep about this seeming paradox about Abraham and his old age. So later on in the parsha, we're told at the end of the sixth sixth aliyah, we're told that Abraham planted a tamarisk tree. In Hebrew, it's called Eshel. He plants this tree, and then he, and then it says in the very same verse that he calls God, the God of the world. But if the way you read it, it doesn't say El HaOlam, God of the world. It's something more interesting. It says God world, or world God, as if it's one thing. And there are a lot of Hasidic essays just written about this just term. But we want to focus first on just this, the name of this tamarisk tree, the Hebrew name, which is Eshel. So Eshel is a tree, that's the name, three letters, Aleph, Shin, Lamed, Eshel. Then comes the Zohar. And the Zohar says that Eshel is an acronym. It's an acronym for three colors. Aleph, the first letter, stands for Adom, which is red. Shin, the second letter, stands stands for Shachol, which is black. And then Lamed, the final letter, stands for Lavan, which is white. So Eshel would, would be the acronym of red, black, and white. Red, black, and white. R-B-W. Right? That's, if you translate it into Hebrew, you get the name of this tree. Okay, so what does this mean? So in the Zohar, these are three emotional attributes have to do with loving kindness and might and 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 harmony or beauty, tiferet, what combines them. But then, if you open the Ari, the Ariza, the Rebazic Luria, the greatest Kabbalistic 6th century, he says, it's not just uh, three colors, it's the three colors you can find in a beard, specifically beard. Now, why is the, the beard interesting? Because the word beard in Hebrew is zakan, which is the exact same as zaken, old. Right? The word zakan, beard, comes from the same root as zaken, which is old. It absolutely goes together. And in fact, having facial hair is a sign of growing up, not being old, but m- maturing. When you're a child, you don't have facial hair. And the, the, the most prominent uh, uh, mark of someone who's growing older is that he starts having facial hair. And also it changes color as you grow older. And so a beard has to do with, being, with old age in Hebrew. So that you can have three kinds of beards. You can have a red beard when you're very young. That's what the Ari says. And then later on, it becomes black, so to speak. Not that you see this, but you do see sometimes that red hair, people who are red-headed, it becomes darker. Like people who are blonde, it becomes a bit less blonde. It becomes darker as they grow old. So red, the same thing goes with red. So there's a, the red beard signifies the relatively youthful stage. Again, not an, an actual child wouldn't have any beard. And as you grow older, you do have a beard, but it could be red, or at least red is a metaphor for 
for, let's say, young-looking beard. And then as you grow older, it becomes black. And of course, as you become more old, it becomes white. So it's the, the same order of the letters, right? Eshel, Adom, Shachor, Lavan, red, black, white, is the order of a person growing growing old. Before the plant, before the tree is there, it's like having no beard. And then the tree, for some reason, is uh, is likened or is, is somehow uh, reminds us of the three colors of the of the beard. So let's just let's just open this up a little bit more to see what it means. The idea of the red beard is that what red signifies fire and excitement. And being when in the word in Hebrew, the word excited means flaming. When you're excited, you're going up in flames. And when you're young, you have a lot of energy. Two people in the in the in the Bible are described as being redheaded. The first is Esau, the evil twin brother of Jacob. He was redheaded in a negative sense, which meant, which means that he um, his uh, fiery excitement was all directed at this world. It all went for this world, the world of Asiyah, the world of action. Esav, his name, suggests the world of Asiyah, the world of action, which according to Kabbalah is the lowest of words, is this world. So Esav took all of his redness, all of his fiery and his red beard, and it went for this world. But then we also have David. David is a positive kind of redhead. And he takes all of his fiery excitement, and he writes the book of Psalms. And he's very much excited about trying to constantly be connected to God. And he writes poems for God and prays to God all day long. And he constantly um, uh, appreciates and is grateful for every moment that he can be close to God. So this is his fiery redness. And then later on, so it's all about what we call that soul, the run of the soul upwards. This is the redness, just like a fire that goes upwards. Then we have a, the black stage. The black stage is a more mature state in which um, this, is, com- this comes from uh, the Song of Songs. In the Song of Songs, the lover, the, the, the male counterpart, it's a dialogue between a woman and a man, and the man is described as having crow-black curls. So he has black hair. Now, the context of the Song of Songs is, of course, marriage. So we can say that the second stage, after the fiery redness, which is all about the run of the soul upwards, the second stage is, when you become more mature, is you want to marry a woman. It can, in this case, this is described as, as male. And you, you're, you want to marry a woman, which means you want to settle down. So it's the very opposite of the fire going up. Now you want to settle down. It's not the run of the soul, it's the return of the soul downwards. And it has to do with settling down and fighting, building a home and building a family. So here, the, the concept of how we serve God is evolving, is developing from taking the, the fire of our energy and turning it where we, in the first stage is we have to decide if we want to be like Esau or we want to be like David. And Esau takes the fire to this world and David to the world to come, and then it becomes a holy fire. And then in the second stage, you want to turn the fire maybe into water or something that flows down, and you want to build a home. And this is why the image of the black hair that the Ari takes is, comes from the context of the Song of Songs. But we still have the white stage. The white stage is described in a prophetic vision in Daniel. And Daniel talks about the Ancient of Days, Atik Yomin. This is a Kabbalistic image for the highest level of the soul. The three stages, the three beards, is like there's a ladder that we're climbing. So in, the, in Kabbalah, it would be that red is the Sphira of Malchut. It's the lowest Sephira, Sephira that has to do with this world. And again, could be Esau, could be King David. He's a king, Malchut, Malchut is kingdom or kingship. So that's the redness. And then as you go up to Tiferet or the, the central level of the Sfirot, uh, which are the higher emotions, higher faculty emotions, that becomes, that is like the black beard. And now we're moving on to the kettle, the crown. The crown is the highest level of the soul, the very opposite of the, of the kingdom, uh, which is the lowest sephirah. 
And here, this Ancient of Days, which is a Kabbalistic term for this level of the soul, is described as wearing white and also having white hair. So the idea is that this level, so if the first level, the red stage, was being like a fire and being consumed with love for God and trying to forget this world and, and say that oh, there's only God, this world doesn't exist, God is everything. And the second stage was going back into the world and saying, no, 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 God wants us to settle down and build a family and have children and be very much involved in this world, engaged in this world, and not to run away. We, want, we don't want to be uh, mystics or monks or people who are ascetic. We want to connect to this world. So what is the white? We can say that, when you, you know, as we all know, that when you take a, a circle of colors and you turn it like a dreidel, like a top, and you turn it and all the colors become white. White is a combination of all the colors. So we had red and black. And we can say that if you really put them together, you have white. The white is a combination. The old man is able to fully understand that there's room for the red fire of the run of the soul. And there's room for the black fire or the black beard of of the of the return of returning back to this world, right? There's room both for both for the run and for the return, and you can have both of them. And when you're when, when you're in a white beard consciousness, uh, you everything becomes of equal importance. There's room for youthfulness, and there's room for older age. And when you're really old. And, and and you can be really old in in the good set in a good way when you're very young. It's a, it's a, it's good to be old. This kind of old is when you realize that the, every moment in life, every stage in life, has its purpose and has its goal, and and it's all for the best. So the, there are two sides to the coin of serving God: the side of the of the fi- of the fiery red run, and the side of the blackish or more settled return to this world and you can have uh, all of them together we mentioned that the black stage is more masculine because it, it describes the groom in the song of songs there in the kabbalistic symbology let's say there's something about the red stage which is more feminine relatively speaking in the sense that the movement from below to above is considered a feminine movement and then the, the black stage of going back down and settling down into this world is considered a masculine movement. And then the final stage is marrying these two attributes of the soul and putting them together. And in fact, incredibly, beautifully, there's a midrash that says that Abraham, when he was old, he minted a coin. He was a very important person by now and also very rich. And just like kings, he minted his own coin. And what was on the coin... On one side, there was an old man and, and an old woman. And on the other side, there was a, a picture of a young man and a young woman. So with one coin, he was able to carry both the opposites of young and old and the opposites of male and female all together. There was male and female in the old and male and female in the, in the, in the younger version. And it alluded to him and his wife and his son, and their son and his wife, and but it didn't show them. It showed just these two archetypal old people, archetypal young people, on one coin. So this one coin is almost like the embodiment or the epitome of his insight as an old man that all stages of life are equally important. And this begins to, to describe to us why he was able to hold on to both sides. He was able to be very old and not be shy of it, and in fact, to be proud of it and to ask for old age to show. And on the other hand, to be connected absolutely to his youthfulness. Because he was able to, in a way, to transcend time. And it's it's Dafka, the older person, who is able to do this more. Than, it's, it's harder for the younger person to realize that you can be both old and young at the same time. It's actually very, it would be wonderful for young people to realize this. When a young person realizes this, he's able to make use of his youthfulness in a much better way than he would if he wouldn't realize this. And it's possible, by the way, that that was the difference between David and Esau. That Esau didn't realize this. So that's why he took all of his fire into this world, because he thought, 
now is the time that I'm young, this is the time to enjoy the world, who cares about the world to come, or all kinds of spiritual and ideas, I just want to enjoy this world. And he thought that being youthful is the very opposite of being old, or that it's, it contradicts, and you have to make use of your youthfulness and do physical things with, this, with, with it. But maybe, just a thought, that uh, Adam, sorry, David, was what made him different from Esau. He had the same reddish nature, but what d- differentiated him was that he realized that he was, he was able to be old while he was young, meaning he was able to look all the way into the future and realize what life is all about, just as people grow old and they realize, so what is my life all about? And then they start believing in God, and then they start asking them, themselves about the, the world to come. David was able to do this from the very beginning, and then he was able to take all of his youthful exuberance and channel it into, into higher levels of, of reality, and not into the, into the lower levels. So this is the uh, combination of, of being old and young at the same time. So and now I remember this phrase that I, uh, someone said once, an, a famous author, he once said something very witty and smart. He said, youth is wasted on the young. And, and here we can say that if you're like Esau, then youth is wasted on you. But if you're like David, then you're, you're not young. You're an old soul in a young body, and then youth is not wasted on you. So anyway, we have this wonderful, beautiful idea that comes from this tree that he plants, which stands for three colors, which stands for three stages of, of growing old and three beards and and the idea is that as you're old you're able to see the value of all of them put together another thing we didn't say about the word zakan or zaken right beard or old is that the sages took this word as a kind of acronym to stand for zekana chokhmah that the zaken refers to someone who who acquired much wisdom. So zikna is a sign of wisdom. And this is the wisdom of the old age, is to realize that there's something about both usefulness and old age, and they can be put together. Now we want to get to the, to the crux of the matter, and we want to ask, what was the secret of Abraham? How was he able to, to have this kind of equanimity that he could see that you could be at the same time both old and young and actually live those two stages together. So as I said, the, this, the beginning of this parasha follows in the footsteps of the story of his circumcision. That Abraham circumcised himself when he was 99 years old at the very end of the previous parasha. Now, circumcision is something that from the starting from Yitzchak onwards, is supposed to be conducted, that's the mitzvah, on an eight-day-year-old, on an eight-day-old, sorry, a baby. It's circumcision something for babies. And yet the first circumcision was conducted by an old man on himself. Abraham was able to take his, in his old state, in his old age, and, and realize that he's, he's only just beginning. 99 is, for him, was minus one. He, he, what he saw was that he still has one year to go for it to 100. And 100 also signifying here like being 100% perfect, meaning he was very much connected to his imperfection. Not to what he did all those years, but to what he still didn't do. And he realized he still never circumcised himself. Or in, and on a deeper level, he didn't re- fully remove the foreskin, the, the covering, the coarse covering around his heart. And he still needs to remove it. Being able to acknowledge your faults at an old age, which really means being a constant Baal Tshuva, a constant um, a returnee to God, or someone who, who um, what's the, constantly repents, is this, is, it, it, it brings us closer to understanding the secret of youthfulness, of eternal youthfulness. So going deeper, it has to do with wanting to be close to God. If you don't lose the desire 
to be close to God. That's the fire of the first beard. If you preserve this longing, and it needs constant reawakening, but if you preserve the longing of being close to God, and God is infinitely far away from us, meaning that I, although I'm 99 now, or 46, or 85, or whatever it is, it doesn't matter what my age is, because I'm still far from God, just as a, as a, as a child that was just born today. And being acutely aware of this, having this consciousness in my head, carrying this consciousness, that I'm, I'm, not, I'm no, no closer to God than I was 50 years ago, 10 years ago, and I want to be close to God. I want to create this covenant with God for the first time, because in a way, I, I, it never happened. That is the secret to youthfulness, is that is, if I think about this world, I think about how I'm growing weaker and maybe more forgetful and not, have, not being able to do what young people do and all of this, that's concentrating on this world. And then I can only think of old age in, in comparing, by comparing them to, to, to younger people. And then I and and then I don't see what what's good about him, or I don't, or I only see slightly what's good about him, but it, it doesn't rejuvenate me. But if I don't look at other people and I don't look at this world, but I look at the world to come, and I look at God, and I look at the idea that I want to be close to God, that's when I be, can begin to feel like a little child, and so to speak, circumcise myself. Now there's an interesting story to add to the to the to the whole idea here. Next Shabbat, the Shabbat in which we're going to read this parsha, marks the 160th birthday of the fifth Rebbe of Chabad, who we call Rabbi Rashab, and the Rashab Rebbe. So his birthday is Kaf Cheshvan, and in a few days from now it's going to be the 160th birthday. So there's a story about him and about his birthday, right? Every, every year, on his birthday, he would read this parsha, Parsha Svayera. So the story is that once on his birthday, when he was either four or five years old, he went to see his grandfather, who was the third Rebbe of Chabad. He's called the Tzemach Tzedek Rebbe. Tzemach Tzedek is the third Rebbe of Chabad, and now we're talking about his grandchild, the, fifth, the future fifth Rebbe of Chabad. So when he, when he was either four or five, he went to his grandfather on his birthday, right? He got to visit his grandfather, the big Rebbe, on his birthday and to go into his private room and have a private talk, which is something every Hasid longs for, is to have a Yechidut, a private um, meeting with the, with the Rebbe. And of course it was Parashat Fayere, and we know he was either four or five because by the time he would turn six, this grandfather would pass away. The grandfather would pass away sometime between his fifth and his sixth birthday. So it was, and three is too young for the story. So it was either four or five. And he came in and he, and he cried. He was crying, weeping. So his grandfather asked him, why are you crying, my son? And he says, I, in this parsha, which is my birthday's parsha, it says that God revealed himself to, to Abraham. And it should be noted, by the way, that it was never described that he had this kind of revelation using the term Vayera, to be shown. He spoke to God and all kinds of things. Uh, to Abraham, sorry, God spoke, but he never appeared to him. So the, 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 the four or five-year-old Semach Tzedek is, uh, uh, sorry, Rebbe Rashab, is crying and saying, why doesn't God reveal himself to me just like he revealed himself to Abraham? And he was uh, genuinely, candidly crying over this in such a way that only a child can. Because what happens is, is that you grow older, you, you forget this kind of simple, naive, genuine desire to, to, to believe that God revealed himself to Abraham and, and he can reveal himself to you. So he was crying, and he says, why doesn't God reveal himself to me just like he revealed himself to Abraham? And so his, his grandfather um, smiled at him. And before we tell what his answer was, we should say that there is a classical answer, because the Gemara also says the question. Well, in another way, 
the, the, the Talmud asks, why was circumcision, why did Abraham circumcise himself so late? Why 99? Why not before? And, and, it, and it says, the reason is that, that all future converts wouldn't feel it's too late for them. And all future converts who weren't circumcised when they were young, and that they would have room to know that you can circumcise yourself, that even Abraham only circumcised himself when he was 99. So, all the more so you. And today in our generation, as we all know, it's not just converts, it's actual Jews. Jews who grew up in communist uh, Russia, and where it was forbidden to circumcise themselves, they're not, and then they start doing tshuva, returning to Judaism, they can actually have themselves circumcised at an older age. And unfortunately, it's not nice to say, but it's a fact that in modern day Israel, maybe outside of Israel also, uh, the more radical seculars are also stopping to do circumcision. When I was younger, everyone did circumcision. And all the, the most secular, even you were, if you were very, very secular, you did circumcision. It was unthinkable not to do it. But it, it is thinkable now. It's part of the, the whole process it's going through. So just like in Russia. But the, but, and for someone who's, you know, for a Jew who knows how holy circumcision is, it sounds very sad to hear that more and more secular families in Israel are not circumcising their children. But on the other hand, here is the story of Abraham to comfort us and tell us that that's the reason he waited until he was 99, to demonstrate it. It's never, never too late to do this. Anyway, that's, this is not the answer that Semach Tzedek tells his grandchild. He gives him another answer. He tells him, you know, my dear grandchild, um, if a Jew is 99 years old and he decides to circumcise himself, he deserves to have God reveal himself to him. <laughs> and, and that sort of calmed down the, the four or five-year-old grand, grandson. Uh, and he, he, you know, he wiped his tears and he came out. And now this story became a very sort of classic Hasidic story. And what this classic Hasidic story is all about is that we should all take the example of, the young, of this young child and, and sort of relive this kind of simple, naive hope that could actually evoke tears that it's possible for God to reveal himself to you and to wish for it, and to cry for it. All of the symbols here all stand for the stage that we said is likened to the oldest stage, which is the kettle. The kettle, the crown, the superconscious level. This is the level of the white beard. But the story about the, this young four or five-year-old child is all about this stage also. Why? Because uh, a child is in many ways connected to his superconscious more than an adult. And it was his birthday. And it says that on your birthday, your crown shines. In Hebrew, it says, Mazalogovel, your mazal, your luck, or your superconscious uh, consciousness is shines and, and becomes brighter. And it was Yechidut. It was being with the Rebbe on a one-on-one -one -one conversation. This also alludes to the Yechida of the soul, the highest level of the soul. So all of this together means and also tears come from the superconscious. So regular tears, when, when you're in pain or, or if you're sad at something, you know, uh, regular, this comes from the, from the heart. But if, if, it's, if it's tears of joy or tears of longing, uh, they come from the superconscious. And these were the tears of this young future rabbit to be. So the idea is that... Um, this story is supposed to remind us that we all want to, to be like this, like this child. And so the idea is, again, that the, the story of this child born on this Parsha, reading the Parsha the way he reads it, and, and longing and hoping that, he would, that God would reveal himself to him in such a way, is really symbolic of what Abraham himself was able to do. Abraham was connected all those years to the young child within him, the three-year-old child. That's when we know that he started uh, looking for God. 
asking where God is, who created the world. And he never lost sight, lost sight of that child. He preserved that child constantly in his head. He constantly had the red beard and then the black beard, and then he, had to, he was able to have the white beard and, and connect them together and, and have this, see that all stages of life are absolutely equal. And, and in fact, that, that now we go to the term that I, I said we should look into at the beginning of the class, which was, it, it said in the beginning of the parsha that Avraham ba'im bayamim. They were old, advanced in years. Again, that's the, the art, world, art scroll translation. But the actual literal translation is coming into days. And it's later repeated just on Abraham himself, that he was zaken baba yamim. So what does it mean coming into days? The idea is that when you're able to grow old and yet preserve within you the child, and the child wants, and what is the child? The child is the part of you that wants to be close to God and that doesn't give up on being close to God and doesn't let this world confuse him that it's, it's possible to be close to God. If you keep those two things together, it means that you're going into each and every day as if it's the only day there is. That's the idea of coming into days. Abraham and Sarah were old, so they had a lot of wisdom, but their wisdom was to go into the day, to live the moment, live each day as if it's your first, as if you're very, very young, and it's the first day and everything is beginning because the world is being constantly recreated each moment. It's also your last day, potentially, because maybe you're very old. This is why we said that David that the, the, that the, the ideal is to be old, just as for an old man, the ideal is to preserve his inner child. For a young person, the sooner you realize that you need to start looking at life like an old man, while being young, the better. And when you have those, so then you're able to go into the days, and every day is both the first day of your life, which is like opening your eyes and seeing something fresh and realizing you can, now the world is created. Everything is just a memory. It's just, you know, it was there. Uh, it's, just a, it's just a memory. It's not, it's not an actual thing. It's just remnants of the past. But what exists is now. That's what exists. But also you can think of it as your last day. Your last day means it could be the last opportunity to do something with your life, to learn something new, or to teach something new, or to do something good, or to do a mitzvah, or to be, or to pray to God, or to do something meaningful with this moment. As you combine the old age consciousness with young age consciousness together, which means really being a, a, a Baal Tshuva, being someone who believes and feels that he can start over, but he wants to adopt the point of view of someone very, very old to tell him what's, you know, worth living for and what isn't worth living for. What is meaningful and what isn't meaningful. What is worthwhile and what isn't worthwhile. And as you're able to combine these two, then it's just like the top that you spin and it's all white. Uh, everything becomes... Every age, every moment becomes good. If I'm 20, that's good. That's what I need to be. If I'm 99, that's, that's what I need to be. And I'm both beginning and thinking of it as, 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 the, la as the last opportunity to do something important, which enables, to, enables me to make use of my time and also to think of it as, as, something, there, as something that's beginning. Now, just to be clear, uh, we're going to finish in two minutes, but just to be clear, um, there's a midrash that describes the stages of life, and it compares them to all kinds of images. And the so it starts that when a baby is born, he's like a king. He's sitting in his little carriage, and everyone adores him, and and keeps you know l lavishing compliments, and and he's like a little king. And then later on, you become like a horse, and you become like, first like a goat, and like a horse, and like a donkey, and all kinds of stages. And then when it gets to the last, and it was the seventh stage, so it's the seventh stage, suddenly it splits. If you don't make good use of your life, if you're an Ama'aretz, a heathen, someone who didn't learn Torah, or didn't, didn't serve God properly, then you become like, a monk, like an ape. And you're aping things. And, or, if you did do something good with your life, you become again like a king. Now, when you think closely about these two images, 
becoming a, an ape or becoming a king, these are two versions of trying to be childlike in your old age. Because there are two versions. If you're trying to, like we said before, you know, dye your hair and do face facelift operations and behave in a childlike way, you're missing out on the point. That's not what Abraham did. He wanted to look old. If you're trying to dye your beard red or your hair red, or you're trying to uh, to do things that to appear young, you're totally missing out on the point. This it becomes. You're, you're like an ape. You're like a monkey. Why? Because you're trying to copy the younger, the younger version of yourself or a young person. That's not what you are. You're old. You're, 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 this is your age. Don't try and emulate someone else. And also because it's inappropriate. The, the whole idea of being both old and young is that you're, is that you're old. You have your wisdom, your accumulated wisdom, your insights, your experience. You're not throwing it away and then behaving like a little child who's sort of opening his eyes, says, mm, this is interesting, and oh, I've never heard this before. No, no, it's something else. And this is the, the second version. The second version is that he again he becomes like a king. That's what we use to describe the baby. But it's a different kind of king. This is a king that has, you know, acquired his crown. The first, the child is like a king. He didn't do anything to justify it. He's just very sweet. So everyone adores him. But the second version of kingship that you acquire as you're old, it comes from a combination of acquiring wisdom, building wisdom, having accumulated wisdom over the years, and yet preserving a kind of youthful outlook on life in which you're able to, to start anew and start afresh. And this is really the ideal that we, that we want to. And the idea basically, and this is the, the really the like the ultimate point here, is that the key is the circumcision. Why? Because circumcision is to find the the one spot inside me or the one place or the one area in my life in which I'm still far away from God. The the image of the foreskin is like a screen that covers your heart and you don't long for the closeness to God in this place. And Constantly being in a state of circumcision or constantly striving. that This is really what Abraham did. He, he didn't work on his circumcision just when he was 99. He worked on his circumcision all of his life. Every day he would circumcise another level of his heart, a finer and more subtle level in which he feels, I'm still, I still have work to do. I still have more things to do. I still need to teach some more people and I, need, I still need to, to, to help someone and I still need to to, to be closer to God. And so the, the more you're in a state of mind that you want to constantly circumcise yourself, which really means to be close to God and search for His closeness, that's how you're able to uh, both grow old and mature because you're constantly learning and, 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 and growing and becoming a better person. And at the same time, be connected to your youthfulness, which is the sense of, of beginning and you beginning afresh. So this is the lesson that we learned from Abraham in this in this week's parsha, in which he we are both introduced to old age, and old age is invented, and at the very same time, uh, we see that he's able to ignore time and see all the stages of life as standing on one level, and he can be both old and young at the same time. So this is our solo of the Parsha class for this week.